Hello, and welcome to the Craft Brewed Music Podcast, music interviews for serious listeners. You may have heard of our curated music discovery app. The podcast lets us dig deeper and get to know the creators of that music, as well as others that will broaden your horizons. I'm Brian Horner, founder and curator of Craft Brewed Music, and I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Aaron Stamen, a Craft Brewed Music artist. Twilight is a woman Too long in leaving Darkness hard upon her heels And fear of falling stars Keeps me in the bars Late of an evening We're talking with Kristen Granger and Dan Wetzel of the Bluegrass Folk Americana Quartet True North. Kristen is an award-winning songwriter who's taken home prizes at some of America's top festivals, Telluride Bluegrass Festival, Merlefest, Kerrville, Wildflower, and others. Dan is also an award-winning songwriter, is also a luthier, building several of the instruments he plays on their new album, Fear of Falling Stars, out November 10th. Their work intersects frequently with social issues, and Kristen was named by Bluegrass Situation as one of the women who wrote our 2020 soundtrack, alongside Dolly Parton and Brandy Carlisle. Thank you both for making time to be here. Kristen and Dan, welcome. Thanks so much for being on the show. Happy yeah, to be here. Thank you. Uh, the, the soundtrack of 2020 can sound ominous to a lot of people as, uh, you know, kind of apocalyptic thoughts emerge. But uh, as... It's like the Jaws soundtrack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, r- running against that script, uh, is a, it's a contributor um, to, the, uh, to, to the soundtrack of that uh, seemingly ill-fated year, uh, your perspective and your particular set of sensibilities uh, shed a, a different light on it, a more uplifting and, and, and hopeful and, um, uh, and, and powerful, powerful perspective on the, uh, uh, on the end of times, as it seemed for many. How did you process that year? And then how did you export that experience into what became its, its soundtrack? Well, what a great question. Um, the, I think mainly the, the, everybody kind of in the music business, especially, we kind of all just felt like we'd been dropped off a cliff. I mean, for our part, we just finished our, um, a record called Ghost Tattoo, and we were planning to launch it in March of 2020, uh, which was, you know, obviously when everything shut down. And we had a bunch of tours on the books. We were about ready to get on a plane to go to Ireland to kick off the tour, and it everything evaporated. Um, I sort of felt like a golden retriever without a stick. You know, I, I didn't, I didn't have anything to go or any place to put all this excitement and his based on all this work we'd done, all the good feelings about the project and, and the anticipation of, of sharing it. So we put off the launch until June. Um, but even then we didn't know, is this going to last a year, three years, another week? We, you know, everything was in that was kind of unknown. Yeah. And something like that happens to me anyway, I, I can kind of clamp down and try to control everything or I can sort of let go. And um, I think it's partly true that the song that they chose uh, for that soundtrack was She Flies With Her Own Wings, which is a song that's off of Ghost Tattoo. It's the, it's the last track on the album. And it's one that I wrote um, 
for a friend of mine who was going through an extremely challenging time. And believe it or not, Oregon, every state has its own state motto. And Oregon's state motto is she flies with her own wings. And I wrote it for my friend who was um, Governor Kate Brown, who'd been kind of uh, had greatness thrust upon her, I guess, is, is how you put that. Her, the, her predecessor had resigned in, under a cloud and as Secretary of State, she was promoted into the governor's role. And she called me and asked me if I could drop everything and come and work for her and help her become governor. And I did. And I know her very well, and it was a very difficult time. It was hard to do that. It was hard um, times. We had all kinds of adversity, you know, first Oregon's first college campus shooting and some other really, really um, major challenges. And she, the way she leads and the way she managed those situations is different, I think, than people expected. And, um, and I thought it was appropriate that she did things her own way and she she managed it gracefully and with um, the people's interest at heart. And so that's where that song came from. And I was, I was pleased to be able to do that for my friend, but it actually became kind of an anthem more broadly for me and, and my, you know, circle of intimates and beyond um, as, as a, a way to think about how individual leadership styles vary and how they can still be very effective and how, we have to weather these storms and ride these winds as best we can with the tools that we've got. She says, come on over, we got work to do. She says, don't just stand there, there's a place for you and you and you and you. Different points of view, more hands and eyes and hearts to make a plan and follow through. She flies with her own wings, she's on the lookout for better things. She's keeping her eyes on that western horizon. And when a storm is blowing, she's gonna get where she's going. In spite of bruises and bee stings, she relies on her own wings. Another song off the Ghost Tattoo album, uh, The Ghost of Abuelito, uh, was also recognized um, and included in a, in a compilation of, uh, I guess you'd say, songs advancing causes of, of social justice by the organization Music to Life. Um, and um, it sort of seems to me to demonstrate one of the, interspe- the intersection I spoke of earlier uh, with social causes, um, uh, also coming out of the context of, of 2020. Yes, and that was, of course, uh, news that broke in 2019, in June of 2019. And then Neil Young sent a shout out to all artists saying, OK, artists, this is what we do when faced with injustice and uh, a paralyzed, you know, government structure in, in, in unable to address it, artists need to make art. And everybody, I swear, there were, there were cartoonists and muralists and choreographers and filmmakers and book authors and children's book writers and uh, songwriters, of course, everybody stepped into that void and tons of wonderful, compelling art came out of it including Ghost of Abuelito. Um, I happened to be uh, 
aware of the of the testimony that the children's to sworn testimony that they gave to government officials who were inspecting the, the detention centers. And anybody can look at it. It's on um, AmplifyTheirVoice.org and you can read it. It's redacted to protect their identity, but you can read those testimonies and it's just heartbreaking. And when I read them, I, I really couldn't sleep. I couldn't think about anything else. And um, I thought this has got to be something that I, I can't, I'm not an attorney. I can't, I can't uh, change the policy the way in traditional ways, but I can, I can write a song. I can contribute something and everybody needs allies. So that's where that song came from. The organization Music to Life, as I understand it, um, trains artists for and supports their work um, in becoming agents of social change through their art. Um, is there further work that you've done around either that song or other songs um, in an outreach sense, in addition to the performances and, and the, the message? Yes. Um, recently, as, as a matter of fact, it was uh, September, late September, um, we were invited to the University of Colorado uh, Boulder, the Kemp Center, and the um, medical school there invited us to come to a conference that was intended for people who um, advocate for children or treat children or, or care for children in the societal sense, um, especially those in migration. And uh, we came down there and I was on a panel with other artists talking to doctors and lawyers and other kinds of health professionals and um, scholars about the kind of work that we do and what kind of effect it has on the people that, that experience that, those, the arts um, in that context. And what, what we discovered is that when people have access to a difficult um, topic or story, I mean, the story of, of kids being separated from their parents at the U.S., border and then learning that, of course, it was an intentional, deliberately cruel measure designed to dissuade people from seeking asylum in the United States. Um, a lot of us felt like, you know, not in my name, right? But what what can you do? A lot of people, when they, when they read about that or heard about that, it was so awful and so complicated and so insurmountable emotionally that they kind of put it in a box and put it away or tried to not hear it, tried to not see it. When you put it in an artistic form that people can access, a song, a mural, a book, um, even uh, uh, performance art, um, there were all, all different kinds of things came out of this effort. When you do it, put it in that media, those kinds of media, then people can access it and they can process it. And people would approach us after hearing the song even in person or, or uh, streamed it or however they heard it and say, it, it made it possible for me to understand this and take time to understand it. It was, uh, it was possible for me to be moved by this and to put aside the politics and the partisanship and all of the other extraneous fluff and get down to what really matters about this issue, which is that children and their, and their families need to be together in those settings and that the government has no right to do this in my name. And that caused people to contact policymakers and to take a stand. Whereas before they may have been high centered, you know, they may have been um, paralyzed by, by all of the nuances and all of the, the um, political, you know, ephemera. And, and I was, yeah. and I was glad to have at least contributed that, I also know that 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 there's a lot of work being done in this area, and it's it's a very good way to reach people who 
are not necessarily sophisticated or knowledgeable about the issues and to bring them into the circle of people who care about the well-being of others in this society. Again, my brother, he's 11. I am Alma, I am seven. Old enough to remember home. The sound of gunfire in the night, an ordinary part of life. At least the only life I've ever known Miguel refused to cry the day Headed north from Ecuador to USA Even when we gave our dog away Even after throwing stones to make her stay He says the ghost of Abuelito Comes to him when he's afraid Spirit comes down from the stars, still smells of coffee and cigars. And when he is there, Miguel is brave. Abuelito wanted it that way. Across the border, things got tense, with our backs against the fence. All those uniforms and guns. Americanos took our mother one direction and us the other And they haven't seen our mother since Inside a hundred babies cry And I can't stop myself from always asking why When will my mama come to get me? Did she go off and forget me? Miguel just takes my hand inside He says the ghost of Abuelito to us when we're afraid His spirit comes down from the stars Still smells of coffee and cigars And when he is there we'll both be brave Abuelito wanted it that way He says Abuelito told him America will always take you in Her gates are guarded by a goddess she welcomes you no matter where you've been. That's great. I uh, I get very excited hearing about this 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 stuff. Um, I had the uh, opportunity to meet uh, Happy Traum uh, earlier in the summer. I went to Richard Thompson's uh, songwriting and guitar camp in upstate New York. Yeah. Uh, and Happy was one of the uh, uh, the elder statesmen there, just teaching finger picking. But he also did a um, uh, a slideshow uh, from one of our events uh, about uh, you know the, the the folk movement and protest singers in Washington Square Park and you know Greenwich Village in the '60s, and you know for him becoming a folk singer and a songwriter was synonymous with being a protest artist and being politically active. And there was really no separation at that time. And looking at those photos and watching him you know get arrested. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was exciting. You're like, God, like, why, why isn't that same imperative and sense of community, you know, still vibrant today, uh, in our songwriting community? Well, I think part of it to me feels like in with TikTok and other kind of, um, uh, platforms, you, you're getting 30 seconds of something. And so you're not 
you know, visually that work, visuals work better, I guess, than, than songs in that regard. But we don't have a tradition really uh, now of, of people that of, of the next generations, I guess, um, listening to songs from beginning to end and, and experiencing them um, that way initially, you know, they might, it might be someone sends them something and says, you should listen to this, be sure to listen to the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's really short attention span stuff these days. Mm. So that that's frustrating. Um, but I've written over the course of my years as a songwriter, I've written about um, the, not only the detention issue, but uh, how, what it's like to be an immigrant generally of a brand new song called still life cafe. I wrote about domestic violence in light by light. Uh, I wrote about climate change and oceans rising. I mean, it's something that I'm really aware of, and I think it's because of my uh, experience in the policymaking realm, my frustration with that, but also the idea that that for me, it's in me and it's got to come out. So it's somewhat therapeutic for me, and it also seems to comfort people. It seems to give them a place to put the feelings that they have and to, to find ways to act constructively on them instead of just feeling frustrated or enraged all the time. In terms of uh, you know having this be not just an individual effort, or a, but a, a community of artists' effort as well, uh, could you speak a little bit about the uh, the she's speaking uh, movement? She's speaking is awesome. Okay, <laughs> this is one of the things that happened during the pandemic too. As well as you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, uh, uh, Supreme Court Justice Ginsburg, died. And um, right about this time, in fact, in 2020, and a number of women songwriter friends of mine we connected just out of horror and, and, you know, uh, astonishment and, and dread that she had died. And then we started talking about how we can't even do a tribute concert for her. We can't even commemorate her incredible accomplishments in any way, be unless we, because this is even before a lot of online streaming concerts were happening. So we, we thought, well, what we'll do is we'll start a YouTube channel. And we'll ask a, a lot of our songwriter, women songwriter friends from all over the world um, to contribute, to write a song about a woman who inspired them and then make a video of the song. And of course, we're all in, under shutdown. And so it's literally a woman with an iPhone on the piano keyboard or an iPhone propped up on something while she's playing her guitar or whatever instrument she's playing, doing an iPhone recording of a song that she wrote about a woman who inspired her. And then we started this YouTube channel and we have, you know, upwards of 80 videos on there now. And it was uh, all these original songs that people were writing about, not just their, not just Ruth Bader Ginsburg or their mom or grandma or aunt or sister or daughter, but about um, Jane Goodall or Georgia O'Keeffe or um, Maya Angelou or Amanda Gorman, um, all kinds of songs about all kinds of women. And uh, it was about the, the, the individual people. So Susan Gibson, who wrote uh, Wide Open Spaces, contributed a song about single mothers. Um, I contributed a song. Well, I contributed She Flies With Her Own Wings to that, to that effort initially and then Light by Light later. Um, so we had a whole bunch of these videos up and then we started doing live stream concerts. And then we started doing live performances. We've, we've done them since 22. Um, and we're mostly in Oregon. We're starting to branch out into Washington. Uh, but we would go basically any place. It's, it's eight women singer-songwriters. And they are across genres. So blues, 
uh, gospel, indie rock, uh, Americana, folk, um, all kinds of things. But everybody's a singer-songwriter, and they're performing these songs about uh, the women that inspire them. And it's a joyful, sassy, uh, strutting, wonderful show. And people come in not quite knowing what to expect, and they leave just elated. Uh, we love doing it, this, doing it because of that reason, just because it brings all of these people together to hear these powerful women's voices. And as you probably are aware, you know, women, women are pretty underrepresented uh, in the music industry across all aspects. I mean, not everything from engineers and um, recording engineers and, and venue owners and bookers and everything else, but also airtime and, and um, Spotify and other streaming platforms will suggest a man seven times before they'll suggest a woman's voice. Wow. So it's a, there's a lot of things that, We've got a lot of hurdles to under to overcome, uh, and we aren't going to probably do it with eight women singer songwriters. But what we are doing is we're modeling the kind of the kind of um, exposure we think people ought to have to these incredible songs and these great performers. And it's the response has been overwhelmingly positive. We started with one show, then last year we had four shows, and this year we've got eight shows. And um, we dedicate March, which is Women's History Month, to the she's speaking kind of road show of joy. And how, how can people find out about those shows? You can look at she'sspeakingsongs.com. There's, that's our website. There's a really cool little, not too long video. I think it's like a 90 second video about who we are and what we started. And there's some footage of one of the shows in there. And you can see it's just, it is just really pretty great. And then the energy is really great. And then uh, there's our, our um, schedule of events is there and we're still taking, we're still booking for 2024. So that's going to be a, a fun year. We're hoping to get um, to move up and down the um, the uh, West Coast and then take over the world. Great, <laughs> excellent. You know, you, you referred to your experience, and that was one of the really fascinating um, things that caught my eye initially in reading about about you and Dan. Um, you must be the only singer songwriter that has also been a communications director and speech writer for two governors, a state attorney general, and, and been the vice president of a, of a university. Um, and uh, in the same way that you use those skills um, and kind of mission-driven values um, in your in your work as a musician, I was also kind of struck by the parallel in, in Dan's life, you know, with as I, your background, I guess, in carpentry and home building, and now you're building the instruments that you're playing here. Um, how did that transition come about? Um, you know, from from one to the other, either of you, both of you. Well, I haven't really thought of an answer to that yet. But um, I worked in in higher ed for a while, and then and then had always been interested in in carpentry and things, but was never quite content just being a worker bee. I always wanted to have some control for creativity. And I was a, a finished carpenter first, working for other contractors and then started my own contracting business and had that for years and was playing music that whole time and met Kristen during that time. And we started playing music together. And And the more that we did that, the, the more we fell in love and the more our, our energy kind of meshed musically and and I'd I'd always had in the back of my mind um the desire to build instruments when I was in college way back in the day in Montana I worked in a little mandolin shop there flat iron mandolins and 
learned how to do luthiery, luthiery and it was a different thing because I was part of a team, you know, so we each had our job and I'd never, mm-hmm. never just tried to set out on my own and build an instrument from scratch, but um, it kind of fell in line with that finished carpentry approach. And so um, while I was still working full time as a home builder, but we were playing a lot of music together, I, I guess I built a banjo first for myself and then built Kristen a ukulele because she had recently learned to play the uke and was writing songs on it. And I thought, well, I want her to have something that is personalized to her. And then, uh, then I built a guitar shortly after that. And then it kind of has, has grown from there. I've, I've built a lot of things for myself. Um, as you mentioned in the intro, um, a lot of the, I, I guess I played four different instruments on this latest album and built all those. Um, hmm. But I've also built for some other people that have heard my instruments and said, there's something unique here. Will you build one for me? And that's been a real joy to watch musicians take those out and get pictures of them in Nashville or New York or something playing a, a guitar that I built. So it's, yeah, I bet they sound amazing. Thank you. Yeah. It's, it's been a real joy. It's a, it's an odd combination of, of art and science. You get to watch the art develop, but you don't know until the day you string it up, if it's going to be a guitar or a planter, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. On the, on the, the new record, uh, the, the one cover tune that's, that's on the album uh, memories and moments by Daryl Scott and Tim O'Brien features just that, that man, mandola all by its lonesome. Yeah. Get, get a, get a sense of the, uh, the depth of, of that instrument. Yeah, that was a fun one. We, Kristen and I recorded that. We were just messing around with it, and we recorded it that way with just the mandola. And then when we, when we sat down with the guys in the band and we were really talking about how to arrange all the songs, um, both the, our other two guys just said, don't, don't put anything with that. That's cool by itself, and let's just add four voices to it. And so mm. it just stood up on its own that way. And it's kind of a nice contrast on the album from the, the big band sound on some of the other ones. I wish that I could hold you when day is done till life is through. But all I have to hold on to Are these memories and moments I try so hard to be at peace To still my mind Catch and release From walking tall to on my knees It's these memories and moments now back again, back again, back to the top, to the top. Pray it will it end, will end, but it won't stop. It won't oh, stop. It's waiting, waiting there, up around, around the bend. The, bend. the river flows, river flows, but it'll never end. The weaver pulls her endless thread. She dreams away. Oh, she dreams in bed She hears the words he never said In her memories and moments 
And so Kristen, your, your transition, um, not necessarily from, from, you know, skill set to skill set, but, but from the application, uh, from one thing to another, how did that evolve? It's, um, I guess I, it's not that I wear hats so much as I, I have, um, I guess a lot of people coexisting peacefully within one body. Um, and I, and I don't sleep very much. I seriously have had chronic insomnia. And so I've, I've always had these, you know, this, these worlds that haven't, that very seldom collided. Right. So my working world, my family world, my, um, my creative world. And, um, and, you know, obviously I was a creative writing major. Obviously that comes in handy when you're writing speeches and when you're writing for, uh, content for other applications, uh, but it's not particularly helpful, uh, with, you know, in a leadership position it is, but it's, it's really, uh, it's really, you know, less about, it's more about administration and other kinds of boring and important kinds of, 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 uh, skills. And I've always been in bands. I think I've always been in bands since I was 15 and, um, never not had some kind of musical outlet. I didn't start writing songs until I was a grown up and I guess I could blame a happy childhood. You know, I, I didn't really have any, I didn't really have any complaints. Um, and folk singers, it's essential to, you know, to yeah. have suffered. And I guess the suffering, oh, I have, I'm sorry that nobody hurts you. I know, right. <laughs> right. right. Um, the suffering that I've endured has been more along the lines of, of watching from positions of privilege and power and not feeling empowered to be able to do what needs to be done to fix it. Like, why can't we just fix this situation? And, uh, and those things, you know, those kinds of issues are pervasive and I, and I write about them and I think about them and I fret about them. Um, and I am really frustrated with my own inability to, to act on them, uh, my own ability, especially now. So we're in this really divisive time where if you disagree with me, you're not just wrong, you're invalid, you know, you're, you're you're evil and it's very hard to make any progress if that's the case. And then it's very difficult to put that aside and try to find answers and solutions to the very real problem of like climate change and things like that. So we find ourselves, you know, in this paralysis and that's extraordinary grace is one of the songs on the album that I wrote about that. That song sounds like a heartbreak song. It sounds like mm -hmm. a couple breaking mm -hmm. up or disillusioned or whatever, but it's not, it's about, me feeling disillusioned with democracy and me feeling disillusioned with our ability to address, acknowledge, and admit we have these big problems and try to solve them um, in some way that's, that's progressive, that's moving forward. Uh, so that's, you know, that's what that song's about. It's, it's a very real thing. So I guess it's one sort of informs the other, but also they kind of, the, the skill set used for the, things I got to do to pay rent and, you know, pay for college and do all those kinds of things. Um, the, that was a sort of a have to do those kinds of things, skills and a skill set. And then the creative thing is, was something that I had to do. I felt like I, I felt like it was, it was something I was meant to do. And, um, and I, and I can't stop doing it. I probably will never stop doing it. Take this anvil off my chest Cut the anchor from my ankle Quit letting out the rope 
As I am stained by your disdain I am rankled by your rancor And running out of hope All the birds and all the bees The girls who fly the high trapeze Tumble to the ground without a net And all of our advanced degrees And all our sweet discoveries Could save us But they haven't saved us yet I once believed in extraordinary grace I put my faith in saints and saviors But in the mirror I can't bear to see my heroine Killing time till time returns the favor Killing time till time returns the favor There was an opportunity uh, to, uh, to be a part of the, the uh, latest administration uh, for the governor of Oregon. And uh, after a, a long career in, in policy and, and politics, you opted to, to go a different direction. Was, was some of the disillusionment and exasperation we hear in Extraordinary Grace part of the sentiments that went into that decision? Well, so I, I mean, I think the one thing about being in the governor's office is it's, it's a job that really can't permit any of you hardly have a personal life, let alone a creative life in that setting. Mm -hmm. And, and when my, when governor Brown, he was the governor who um, kind of pulled me out of uh, higher education to help her with her administration, I told her I would stay through the transition. And then she convinced me to stay through her election. And then she convinced me to stay for another, another year. And, um, and so I ended up it. And, and during that time I did, we did perform and play. I wrote virtually nothing. I couldn't really do anything except eat and sleep. I think Dan has several cell phone photos at the dinner table of me talking on my business phone and holding my personal phone. Um, and I thought you were going to say Dan had several solo albums from that period. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he, he got a lot of golden let's just say. Um, so it was more along the lines of, I wasn't, I was no longer willing to sacrifice every, all of my energy, all of my focus, all of my creativity to state politics. And I was happy to hand that over to someone who was really thrilled, you know, who would, who would, people are dying for these kinds of jobs. They, they're really great plum positions. They're just not to me. Um, and so I think disillusionment was part of it. It's also, you know, the gratitude of the taxpayers, well, not really a big payoff there. <laughs> I'd, <laughs> I'd much rather, I'd much rather spend my time um, doing something where I have the capacity to create and have the energy and the, and the wherewithal still, I haven't, I haven't left my fastball in the, in the bullpen, you know, I've, that I've really got some, I've still got something to give after I'm done working for the day. I got to say, Kristen's humble and, and um, wouldn't say this on her own, but she does have a capacity to achieve a great number of things at the same time and still is very productive and, and very all in at every performance. Yeah. There were a number of times she was in the green room backstage on the phone with the governor or, or 
the attorney general or someone while we're all out there adjusting our mics and getting ready to start and thinking maybe we'll do a couple songs without her, but she'd always <laughs> arrive and, and do a fantastic show and no one but her knew what was, what was going on inside. Interesting and, and impressive. And in the, you spoke Kristen about being frustrated at your inability to affect change and some of these big issues facing all of us in the, in the positions you've held um, uh, versus the change that you try to affect through your music and through she's speaking, things like that. Is there a comparison to be made there about which you think is more effective where, where the potential is greater? Well, I guess I'd have two answers to that. One is that it's more it's more effective for me. I feel like I'm doing something useful. I feel like I can see in front of me the effect that it has on people that are listening. Hmm. And the number of complete strangers who's come up who've come up to me at the merch table and gripped my arms in the this death grip and saying that Ghost of Abuelito song. I got to have that song and they're weeping. I mean, that I can tell. So, but from the, you know, the giddy heights of the governor's office, executive offices in Oregon, it's hard to see what your impact is. And mm. politics is intrinsically the art of the possible. So what's possible in the four years that that person's going to be in office? And how, how many, how far incrementally can we move toward the overall goal? It's, it's, and it's a little daunting. It doesn't mean you don't make progress. It's just that you, you see suffering in the moment right now. You see kids being separated from their parents and the kids have no idea why, and they have no connection to what's happening to them. And there's nothing we can do. Eight of those kids died. I mean, and literally here I am in this, this privileged position position, and I can do literally nothing to help them. Yeah. Is, is there, in making a transition out of the, the, the political realm, does it also allow you a, a creative liberation? Because I imagine in speech writing, there's a lot of editing and there's a lot of taboo things that you have to avoid uh, in your creative moments. Uh, and now perhaps you've been released of those constraints. Yes. When you're writing speeches for someone else, you have to write in their voice. It's not only that you have to kind of stick to the the talking points and convey the ideas in ways that are compelling and persuasive. You also have to do it not in my own voice, but in the person I'm writing for. And I've written for Kate Brown is a, is a woman governor. I've also but almost everyone else I've written for has been uh, a man. And so I had to, I had to, you know, read their writing, listen to them talk, listen to them characterize the issues as they saw them, and then try to adapt that into something succinct and compelling and persuasive. So now I write in my voice and I convey my ideas and I get to say what I think and what I think is right. And of course, as an artist, I am not called upon to present solutions. <laughs> so that's what you're called upon to do as a leader. And as a songwriter, it's from, it's my job. What is a Woody Guthrie make the, um, uh, comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. That's what it is. Sorry. Anyway, that's what Woody Guthrie said. The songwriter, uh, folk singer's job was, and and that's definitely what I do. The uh, the new album, The Fear of Falling Stars, is being released on November tenth. Uh, uh, it sounds like you got heavily back into the uh, the the songwriting vibe. What is what is the uh, the thread that, uh, if there is one for you, that holds this album together thematically? 
Interesting. Uh, well, I think it's um, introspection. Um, it's some some reflection and introspection. Um, and I think a lot of us did that during the pandemic was what's important to me? What have I achieved in my life? What's what matters? Um, what am I going to do with what time I have left? And that's 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 one of the things I think we were looking at. I, I was looking at in the songs that I wrote um, for the first time. Dan and I wrote songs for each other on this album. And so the little things is from Dan to me and the avalanche is from me to Dan. And uh, that's a kind of a new thing. Dan contributed three songs to the songwriting um, catalog this time. And that's also an unusual thing. It's almost always been my originals and then a couple sort of covers the way nature never intended kind of thing. Uh, so that's, that's, those are also some of the things that I think are different about that album, but I'd say that thread really is a little, um, self-examination and, and reevaluation of values. coffee in the first morning light when a bad dream wakes me from a cold sweaty night it's all your attention when I'm needing it most it's a way that you showed me in a poem that you wrote it's staying up late and talking till dawn for no reason at all it's writing this song and It's the first face I see When I open my eyes And the last one I kiss When we whisper goodnight It's a little thing It's a little thing To the Milky Way and the shimmering lights of a billion stars shone like fireflies in mason jars. I won't soon forget the night the owl shared a gift of flight and a silently and trees beneath the watchful eye of the Pleiades but of all the beauty I have seen wide awake or in my dreams nothing moves me nothing moves me Dan, does your writing kind of happen in a silo separate from 
Christians and, and vice versa? Or is there sort of an awareness and a, you know, swirling around each other as you're writing for a project like this? Yeah, there's no, there's no separation really in my mind or my heart because we're so close and I'm, I spend so much of my time trying to bring Kristen's songs to life too, trying to figure out how best to, to play them in a way that won't, it'll sound like she's playing her own song if you just heard us and couldn't see us so that mm-hmm. I'm really holding up her story in the best energy that matches what the story is. Um, and so if it, when I'm writing, which I admit I have not done that much lately because I've been so enraptured by Kristen's writing and it's hard to, mm. it's hard to say, well, let me try something, you know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, it's, it's a joy to do it. I, I especially liked singing us, writing a song and performing it on that album about Kristen, um, just pointing out what, what is important to me and that introspection of that. And then I'm, I'm very inspired by her writing, both, both her, her storytelling and just her use of words. And, and I'm, and I always run things by her. We've co-written a few for past albums and, and I've written one here and there, but not this time. I just wanted to put a little more effort into it and, and not partly to not make Kristen feel like it's all on your shoulders to come up with enough for the next album, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, make more of a contribution, I guess. I found it kind of a, a delicious juxtaposition position that you, you each wrote these beautiful devotional songs for one another, but the one tune that you have a co-writing uh, effort on across the mountains is this, this tune of oh. betrayal and like revenge. Burn it down. Burn it down. She says it's not about me. <laughs> she swears. Know, yeah, that, that just kind of started as a, it was something I came up with on the banjo and just, if I play something long enough in the house, Kristen will eventually say, okay, okay, I'll put some words to it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You're driving me crazy. The, the strategy is starting to become clear here. Yeah. <laughs> Flying across the mountains, fast I can go. Far away from trouble, down some gravel road. morning in the pearly light of dawn and opened to your pillow told me you were gone said you loved another and her heart you hoped to win and i should get to moving out because she'd be moving in half a tank of gas get me up this mountain pass i know a place to hide on a downhill side and if i had a winged horse lightning in his eye I'd call that horse and then across these mountains we would fly. Some will build a house of straw, some house of bricks. You're the one who built our little house of kindling sticks. Douse it all in kerosene, toss it in the match. In the rearview mirror, seals, curtains, catch. Half a tank of gas, get me up this mountain pass. No place to hide on the downhill side. And if I had a winged horse, lightning in his eye, 
I'd call my horse and then across the mountains we would fly. There's something about like the banjo and like a, a minor key, like it just it just feels like it's gonna go fire and brimstone, like something yeah. ominous is going to happen. And something about that particular trope of Appalachian music, it seems undeniable that you have to go to like you know some kind of murder revenge <laughs> theme as soon as that sound comes in. Well, I mean, if you think about that, that I mean, in in the bluegrass genre anyway, and maybe uh, old time too, it's it you know women don't fare very well in those songs. The story songs about women, we're all getting buried in the meadow. It's not good. So I just decided to flip it a little and give her a little empowerment and uh, <laughs> and a fast horse. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. Well, the uh, we had a great time listening to the album, and uh, you know, kind of digging into all this. We appreciate your time, and uh, and wish you the best of luck with the release. Our pleasure. Thanks, Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah. Nice to meet you both. And uh, truenorthband.com uh, has all the info on the album and the band, and uh, uh, it it should be great. I think it'll be quite well received. Thank, Thank you. you. Great talking to you guys. You Ditto. Too. Thank you for listening. Craft Brewed Music, both the podcast and the Music Discovery app, has the mission of promoting this music and these artists. We can't do that without ears on the music. So if you like what you've heard here, we're going to ask you two small favors. First, tell someone about the podcast. Second, go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Craft Brewed Music app, and try a free two-week trial of the curated streaming service. For more information, visit us at craftbrewedmusic.com. Thanks again, and see you next time.